WBNE. Howdy, Yokes. Before we get started today, we want to let you know about a brand new show on WBNE. Coming to the network this week is the Unsobered Podcast, going over all sorts of awesome stories of badass women in history, hosted by our very own Julia Kendall, and she does it while a little bit tipsy. Listen to this preview right here. Hi, I'm Julia, the host of Unsobered, Badass Women of History and Literature, the podcast where I talk about the women that the history books, history classes, and the general public often overlook, or who just get a brief mention, but we never really know the whole story of their impact on the world we live in. On Unsobered, I share the stories and histories of these badass, amazing, and strong women. And while I tell you the history we don't get from traditional history classes, I get more and more drunk over the course of the episode. So join me to learn more about your favorite women or to find a new favorite woman that you didn't even know contributed to one of your favorite things with new episodes every other Friday. Rise and shine, campers, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Tyler Carlin. And today we're predicting the future. Or maybe we're just getting our weather report from a groundhog. So put your little hand in mine. And I'm Tyler Carlin. Because today we're bringing you Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. And I'm Tyler Carlin. Groundhog Day, directed by Ghostbusters director Harold Ramis, I think. I'm nope, kinda... nope. Ghostbusters actor and possibly writer, but the director was Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman, that's what it was. Ghostbusters alumni Harold Ramis came out February 12th, 1993, of very few films that I was alive for that Ethan was <laughs> not. Yeah, very few films. What what this tells me, Tyler, is this is a disturbing fact. You and I are both, uh, this movie was released 10,273 days ago, which means that you and I are both over 10,000 days old. That is wild. Uh, it had a 14.6 to roughly $30 million budget. There's conflicting reports on that. Made $70.9 million worldwide. Got a 96 percent critic rating and an 88 percent audience rating on rotten tomatoes and a 72 on metacritic ethan do you have a negative review for me you should give me a positive review first mm, you should give me a negative review no first. i think you should give me a positive review first <laughs> i was thinking maybe you would go first. i think you i mean I think maybe you should go first <laughs> yeah i'm gonna actually i'm gonna hey i'm gonna insist this week all right all right all right all right uh let's see let's see let's see let's see you got a good one here from anthony lane or from anthony two- lane with the independent in the uk arrow ramus's direction is not special yet there is a beautiful lip smacking efficiency in a way that a great idea is touched off and followed to its conclusion isn't it and uh anthony lane from independent in the uk says harold <laughs> ramus's direction is nothing special yet there is a beautiful lip smacking efficiency in the way that a great idea is touched off and followed to its conclusion is that your negative review uh i'm tyler carlin oh he's just repeating things the whole episode yeah. <laughs> obviously <laughs> No, there's uh, there's three negative reviews in Rotten Tomatoes for this movie, and they're all stupid. Okay. Well, one of them doesn't have any text as well. (laughs) Full review in Spanish. Yeah. You should, you should get more get more into the mic here like we were at the beginning but no like mic? like straight on like you were at the beginning i liked it well, you, but then you were like you're peaking yeah because i want you to turn your game down a little bit not i want peter you to do anything different peter peter pettigrew picked pickled peppers and punxatani 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 this is great uh, podcast now this is podcasting ethan 
uh, I was listening to our show when the other hosts were doing it, and they did everything exactly right. I have no complaints about the quality of the hosting, uh, but it gave me a rare opportunity to listen to our format. And something that I want to amend is the time it takes for us to get into our thoughts on the film. I want to cut out some, I don't want to call it fluff because I do want to cover everything in our script, but I want to present our thoughts sooner. So I actually want to skip the listener reviews and go straight into what you and I thought to give a little teaser. What do you think? Uh, this is one of my all-time faves. You know, I, I had a feeling it was. I've seen this movie uh, more than most. Not not quite as much as A Christmas Story, but sort of in the same vein as that, where like I've seen this movie a bunch. Every time it's on TV, one of my parents, usually mom, would have put it on. So I've seen like this movie in pieces more than probably anything else, except for A Christmas Story. I have only ever watched pieces of this movie once or twice, and never the whole thing. Never the whole until, thing. Until yesterday. I didn't know that there was a love story. Interesting, 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 interesting. So this is um this is an interesting thing about this movie. I do think it's a one on the binary. I think it's an important movie, and I don't 100% know that I can even point to why. I think it's a one as well. Uh, I think basking in American tradition is not always a bad thing, and I think Groundhog Day is one that we, yeah. would, do, we would be wise to embrace more. In the case, in the case of... of um, American history for sure. Groundhog Day is pretty cool. It's a great celebration of absolutely nothing. And I I didn't realize how much the Golden Circle was like a real thing. Oh, the guys? Called, the Inner Circle. They're like a real thing. Yeah. They like claim and I mean, I don't think they obviously believe this, but they like claim and push out into the world that it's the same groundhog that it's always been yeah that's always been it's, it's one there's one punxsutawney phil ever yeah and he's like 164 years they're old. very cool i i like i used to i guess my grandmother loved this whole thing because I, I can remember being over at her house in the mornings for school and like watching the groundhog ceremony on television like the punxsutawney one like or the like punxsutawney the one, one. Wow. Yeah, the Golden Circle, the whatever they're whatever they're called is a real thing. I watched the video today and the dude's just like, Man, aren't you just a great little groundhog? You're so beautiful today, Phil. And I was like, This is so wholesome. They they dropped him one year, a few years ago. <laughs> He's a feisty little bastard, from what I can tell. <laughs> he's a groundhog. He's not domesticated. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a rodent, for sure. <laughs> he's like a rat of unusual I did size. See, uh, I did see a great uh there's there's a a prominent uh African American a uh, black photographer in the the photo Twitter community that I follow today, and I saw a great tweet from him that said, "Hey, my bad for when I said white people didn't have culture. This is it." <laughs> referring to Groundhog Day, <laughs> yeah, referring to Groundhog Day, and I was like, you know what? We, we could we'll do worse. It. We as a we people can, could do worse. I I love the whole concept. As as I love anything that builds on like the American myth, any like tradition for the sake of tra- harmless tradition for the sake of tradition. Yeah. I think is facts the best. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if there is something about this holiday that is super harmful that i don't know about i am certain certain i would lay my life upon it <laughs> that we stole this from the native americans that we stole it from the native americans as we did some sort of slavery based ritual yeah or <laughs> that that it was probably an important ritual in um potentially i don't know if this is a real thing but potentially uh the for the punxsutawney people do you think this is my question um, but everything everything in pennsylvania is stolen from the native americans like more yes. stolen than the rest of america no i that's not entirely true like in Pennsylvania, there's big Amish communities. That's not a Native American thing. That's like no, a holy... No, but like, Pennsylvania has a pretty uh, terrible history as far as that whole thing goes. Well, they also have terrible roads. That's true. Some of the worst in the country. Um... On, on, always, on, on a scale of, of roads, I'd rate Pennsylvania at the bottom, but a scale on a scale of 0 to 100, I would rate Groundhog Day a 94. 
85. 85? I guess I'm with that. I can vibe with that. Um, I lo- I, don't get me wrong. I love this. This is a fantastic way to spend 104 minutes. I think out of all Bill Murray movies, this is the one I think of first. This or no. Scrooged? G- Ghostbusters. Nope. Not even close. Ghostbusters Ghost for me, for Bill Murray, falls Bust. like below Caddyshack. Or Caddyshack would be the two that I would think no, of. No, this is, this is one of the things that I think of. Uh, but this is an interesting case. I don't love to spend a lot of time talking about like the whole what could have been with a movie thing, but Groundhog Day was originally supposed to star Tom Hanks and it would have been better in every way. Uh, I don't think Tom Hanks would have. I Tell me what you it, think. It would have been, a, different, Murray, it would have been a, very, a fairly, well, not a fairly. It would have been a, a, a. It would have been Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. They would have been like, we can't get you. We got to get Meg Ryan. And no, it was going to be Annie McDowell. Why did she like write it? No, it was just, that was who they picked. It's going to be Tom Hanks and who's, who's Elaine from Seinfeld? Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. <laughs> That's who I kept thinking of this whole movie. No, uh, but yeah, it was going to be Tom Hanks. And I, I do truly think he would have been better in, in pretty much every way. I So I think the fact that he is... I think Bill Murray overdoes how snarky he does. I would agree. Because the Bill Murray that we meet at the beginning, you have to remember, is the Bill Murray that Rita knows the entire film. Yes. And I I cannot imagine one day, even if he does everything right, her going from but what she, doesn't, she thinks But she of doesn't men. know him, though, right? Like, she met him that day. And, and they do the color that. I think that they, they, they intentionally color that in by having him meet uh, or spend time with the cameraman as well, with uh, Chris Elliott's character. Larry. By, like, Larry, by showing you that, like, he doesn't interact with his co-workers at all. Yeah. Ever. That he's never asked Larry anything. And Larry, like, genuinely cares about him as a friend. Yeah. I do say so you don't work in corporate America. I find myself being Bill Murray more often than I'd like to be. Like just thinking of my coworkers as human beings that only exist while I'm in the building. Not all of them, but I would say I've had the same problem. I had the same problem when I did work in corporate America. Um, that like I had. I don't want to say my uh, my coworkers didn't have other things. Obviously they did, but like the work was the thing. The jobs I did were the thing keeping me from doing my other things and hanging out with my friends and like being a musician and playing shows and doing all that kind of stuff. Right. But like I don't think I ever considered my coworkers the way. I I consider my my normal friends. Yes. I had this problem when I got into CrossFit. All of the people that were in it would be like, oh my gosh, you're going to make so many friends doing this. And I would go and I'd be like, I don't really want to hang out with you because I already have friends. Right. Yeah. I'm not here for that. I'm here for the workout and they would be there for the community. And that's fine. Like that's all well and good. It's just like, I, I think did- the way they sell it and what they're looking for is people who need that community. Right. And I didn't and that that is always awkward when when you are clearly at something that is community driven that you didn't realize necessarily was going to be community driven and now everybody is there for the community and you're not right and you're like i'm i'm i just want to be done like I'll, t- I'll take uh an example that we shared together was was podcon right podcon we were there to learn and to and to and to uh take something away and other and folks were Hank there and john perform and other folks were there to con they were there to to be at a con right they were and, part like, of meet con people the community and that was something i was n- neither expecting nor wanted in on i think at I the think time because the only other podcasting like conference we went to which was a conference was not very a businessy was very business forward like how do you grow how do you you know talk to sponsors i was expecting to leave podcon with the secrets and everybody else is expecting to leave podcon with the with friends. A picture with justin mcelroy with a picture with justin mcelroy and and 55 new phone numbers and and they did and they did and i didn't yeah <laughs> i did not leave with the secret i left with some of the tools to find the secrets i left knowing a lot about hannah hart i left knowing who justin and travis and uh griffin mcelroy were and i, I, I think beyond about- anything else that was the value of podcon yeah so 
there was a moment at PodCon I very vividly remember where we were walking from like our hotel to the con- to the convention center. We were in the convention center and we were like probably 20 yards from the open door and right to our right, Justin, Travis, and Griffin are just standing there. Nobody talking to them in a very open conversation, like all standing next to each other, but very much like inviting someone to approach them. And we just walked right past. And I think I leaned over to you even and was like, who was that? And I think you were like, I think that was Arnie Neekamp. No, I think I said that because I recognized the hair, the Travis hair. The Travis hair? I said, I think that was one of those guys. Because we didn't, we didn't, <laughs> this was before we at that point knew who Arnie Neekamp was. Arnie Neekamp was not a name That's until true. about an hour later. Yeah. <laughs> When, when I, I, st- I, you know how some people like when they open their diary, they write dear diary, dear Arnie Neekamp. Yeah. That's dear Arnie thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, so Groundhog Day, uh, I really do. I really do like this movie. and I don't even know, like, it's not the best movie. It's not the funniest movie. It's not the most heartwarming movie ever. I don't actually think that they nail the message hard enough at the end, nor do I think that the love story is quite put together well enough, but I love this movie. Here's, here's what I do like is that they didn't nail the, 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 you know, the, the theme well enough is that it's this like rom-com everyone movie, right? You don't have to put on special glasses to go watch it. You don't have to be like a film person but you do have to draw conclusions to get why the day progressed like it doesn't slap you over the face with it and i actually did like that i I like that as well but i almost feel like the day progressed for the wrong reasons correct i think the day i think i think you can have the love story and you can set that up but the day should progress when he saves the homeless man no i disagree i think he should do a a a true act of selflessness is what makes the day progress yeah which isn't i mean obviously saving the homeless man is an act of selflessness but the homeless man was never going to make it correct that's a lesson that he has to learn right that like you have to be able to tell who you can help and who you can't yes and and he learns that twice right the first time he learns it is he can plan every single thing that he says to rita throughout the entire day so that the end of the day she loves him and by doing that he will always fail right so i think i think you could look at it three ways and they, and they <coughs> all of these three reasons are why the day progressed and i think that three is too many and i think that the collection of three is the wrong way so he he has to learn to properly fall in love with her he has mm-hmm. to become the person not that she wants him to be but that he wants to be and i think he has to learn to learn the whole routine and be able to save everybody he can save and i think the only yes. one of those that matters really is the become who he wants to be as a person yes be happy with yourself because he goes through quite a dark arc he goes from like hating himself hating his job expecting this promotion that he's been doing this national story every year for four years he still hasn't gotten it you know it's not gonna happen uh he goes like to a really dark place where he spends like god knows how much time offing himself in the repeated day uh which is which i did not expect i i was kind of surprised by but then I was like, I got to put my 1993 glasses on. No, I don't think you do. I like that it shows Phil as a both a bad person and as a broken person. I really do. Yeah? Yeah, because like he obviously was a bad person, right? Like he wasn't not not a bad person necessarily, but he was a selfish person. He didn't care about anybody except himself. And she points that out to him uh, right at the beginning. He has to like because that's that's what somebody would go through in that, right? Like he thinks he does everything right, he still can't get out. He does everything wrong, he still can't get out. And then he just can't get out. And like I think yeah. that is the 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 thing that every Everybody's going to go through in this movie. And and I don't like lore for movies that 
don't have lore. But I think the piece of lore that is important here is that, and Harold Ramis has never been clear on how many, how long he survives in there, but it's He's been listed. Said, what's that? Go ahead. It's been listed as anywhere from like 10 years to 10,000 days to 10,000 years that he goes through. Now, I don't think yeah. 10 years is long enough because he learns to do a lot of stuff. He learns the piano. It's like maestro level. Yeah, like like Beethoven levels. Right. Which it takes time, right? Like Malcolm, how many, yeah, Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell says you got to take 10,000 hours, right? And he also sleeps. Right. 10,000 hours to days. master anything and he masters a bunch of things. He, he sleeps most days. There are days where he's up till six. Yeah. But there are also plenty of days where he dies in the morning. Right. So we don't see, we see Phil in 38 days, 38 separate days. Yep. That's it. That seems short. Well, I mean, there's an implied, like there's implied time gaps. Right. I do. Uh, I really like in the film how well and how many different things happen on the first day yeah. that in all 38 of those instances, I don't have to see how he deals with every problem every time. Like there's a good chunk of the movie where we don't even see the life insurance agent. Right. And I, I think that was smart to like, I don't need 38 different ways that he deals with this guy. I yeah, no, to this, deal with him this movie is a, a masterclass in repetitive common, comedy. Yes. Because like it can get so there. You've seen plenty of things and you, the listener and you, Tyler, have seen plenty of things where they either don't let the joke sit long enough. Like they could have just given it one more time or they gave it, I don't know, four or five too many times. The, there is a there's a breaking point in this film. What is that? And, and it's intentional and, it, and it's meant to mess with the viewer. But it's the song. The alarm. What about it? It's played too many times. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. It's played like 15 times. Yeah, that's that's exactly the right amount. There's a montage of it in there <coughs> where he breaks the alarm clock over and over again. Yeah. And then it keeps happening and it, it's intentional and it works because at the end it plays and then the radio host is like, oh, not this one again right it has to because he has to still have the song playing when he wakes up no matter what right i like to think that he wakes up to that song every day forever for the rest of his life yeah just every as like it, a as like a nod from god or whatever what is your awful alarm clock song like what would be played on my alarm clock in hell like or what like actually but like, but in your life out. in in your real life what songs have you been like i'm gonna have a song as my alarm clock and i love this song so, so it's gonna get me right through it for from freshman year through sophomore year of college, I woke up every morning to the same Linkin Park song because the CD was like stuck inside of my iHome. Man, you just said a lot of antique words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. The CD was like stuck inside of my iHome and it played the beginning of Waiting for the End by Linkin Park, which is just like a horrible noise. <laughs> it's like a guitar riff, I guess, but it's all like weird and I don't know. Go listen to it real quick. It's like it's a, it's a terrible noise to wake up to. And anytime I hear that noise now, I'm just like, oh, God. What song was it? Uh, I think it's waiting for the end. There it is. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah. I woke up to that every morning for two years. So I have two of them. One of them freshman year of college. Uh, Steven Plotz, my roommate, the nicest man I've ever met. The man I strive to be like every day. Uh, Lay me down by the dirty heads. He was like, this I would, would be great- never because I love that song and I would not want to like, ruin that song for me. He was like, this song, hey man, it's, you know, it's about waking up. It's a great track. It's got like dynamic rhythms and stuff. So it'd be a great song to wake up to. We did that for th- four months straight. And uh, I love that song still, but it was getting to me. The other one is also Linkin Park. It was uh, the New Divide or whatever the Transformers, <laughs> Transformers song, was. song was. Yeah. But I've got one that is actually worse. That it, this, this has never happened to me. <laughs> No, 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 no. It was like, it's like 
so give me reason. It was literally, it literally like you remember how ringtones would always have like a like a drum beat right as soon as they started playing. It would be like, yeah, so give me yeah. reason. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you're talking about like old VZW ringtones. Yeah, like I paid three ninety nine for that alarm. Uh, the other one. Now this is not mine, but but I still cringe thinking about it. It is the riff and then the rest of the song in with arms wide open by Creed, where at six a.m. in the morning your stereo just goes. <laughs> and it plays the rest of that song. That's higher, by the way. Higher what by Creed. Ever higher by Creed. <laughs> Can you take me higher? Oh, yeah. <laughs> to a place where blind men see. There's a great. There's a Creed Renaissance. There's a Nickelback. There's Renaissance. not a Creed Renaissance. There will never be a Creed Renaissance. Creed oh, can Creed can stay burnt. No. Nickelback, I think, got the short end of the stick. I would love to know. Okay, so I just said a lot of words that didn't connect to each other in any way. Anyway, Nickelback recently was like, you know what? Somebody made a sea shanty out of Rockstar and TikTok. We're gonna join them in that sea shanty on TikTok. And like all of Nickelback was just like in it. Like Chad Kroger's wearing a captain hat standing on a boat doing he the sea shanty. And like, I gotta I gotta wonder what it's like to be Nickelback, right? Where like you, obviously before 2020 um, happened, they were they were touring, right? They were a successful touring act. They sold out shows around the world constantly. One of the biggest, yeah. one, of the, one, of, one of the bands that has managed to remain relevant and successful in rock music. And like one of the last bands to truly make it in rock music, like traditional rock music. And there's I a know. corner of the internet that hates them <coughs> so much. Like you got, what is it like to be Nickelback? And like you're like, man, because you got you got to look at it and be like, what if people actually don't like us? And then you go play a sold out amphitheater show that night. You're like, I think they do though. I think what happens is you're you're Chad Chad Kroger or whatever his name is. Yeah, and you get up there and you sing rock star, right? Yeah, and then you're like, oh right. I did all of these things. I'm super rich and I love my life and it's awesome. Well, the wild thing to me is Lip I think member, not so I don't get them wrong. I think the wild thing about Nickelback is that like out of all the things that a band can do, Nickelback was guilty only of the crime of writing songs that kind of sound like each other, which every band which does. Every band does. <laughs> That's what Especially makes it a rock band. music. Yeah. Like, if you've ever heard a song and been like, oh, that kind of sounds like, that's why. Yeah. We just mixed up two Creed songs. We just, yeah, you mixed up two Creed songs. I would never. <laughs> <laughs> I know which one higher is. Those are the two big ones. That's true. Those are the two big ones. Uh, also, Nickelback rips, my dude. Yeah, Nickelback is ripped. sick. For all the right reasons, uh, that whole album by Nickelback that's got Rockstar and Photograph and also like Side of a animals, Bullet on it. Side of a Bullet. Animals and, and, and Follow You Home. We, that album people, rips so hard. It is unreasonable. There have never been fatter, chunkier guitar tones ever recorded in human history. <laughs> you know, the beginning of Animals, and they like, they can't, the tone is so thick, they can't get all the way around the note before the next one happens. <laughs> and just like, drums. beefy, big beefy drums, big toms. Yeah. And people are like, yo, this is the worst band's ever happened. You're wrong. Listen to Side of a Bullet. Play Halo 3 and listen to Side of a Bullet and tell me you don't like that song. I remember a couple years ago, Nickelback put out a song called like Feed the Machine or whatever. That sounds awesome. And it was the same day that a band, a like popular deathcore band called Suicide Silence put out a song. And the whole, the whole part of Twitter that I exist on was like, how did Nickelback put out a heavier song than one of the most preeminent deathcore bands on the same day? Like, how is that possible? 
Because it's just because riffs. Just absolute riffs. That's that's one thing that I think is lost in a lot of music these days is is the uh is the virtu- beefy fat riffs. The virtuoso guitar. The Yeah, I don't like, know if I would call nickelback virtuosos <laughs> of the guitar. No, but like I mean the one Steve- the, so the one solo that on that album that was like good was played by a dead guy. <laughs> that the song but, was written about but imagine like imagine a rock band that like steve Vai was touring with like you just don't get that anymore. no you don't but you also never got that steve Vai was never in like the bare naked ladies <laughs> <laughs> like he just plays he plays instrumental shred guitar yes. that's his genre and steve Vai is incredible don't get me wrong i would i would I will never be able to play like Steve Vai ever. Like I'm he too far clinics. behind the ball at this point. You can go learn from him himself. You know what? Clinics. I would cry. I would sit down in a room with Steve Vai and I'd be like, "Man, I haven't thought about you in 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 ten years." But <laughs> God, now, it's been a good ten years. Now you're all I can think about. If 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 the world had to had to happen exactly like this for me to meet Steve Vai, like maybe it was all worth it. <laughs> Steve Vai, listener, if you don't know that who that be, is, is 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 an amazing. Yeah, go look up player. Steve Vai, and then go look up Joe Satriani, who's just better. But like, <laughs> go listen to Cliffs of Dover by Eric Johnson. Isn't Cliffs of Dover its own like metalcore band? What? No, that's just a song. To- you know what song that is from Guitar Hero? Oh yeah, I know that song. Yeah, that's that some Steve that's Vi? some guitar playing. But like Eddie Van Halen was like Steve Vai. Yeah, Eddie, uh, Steve Steve Vai could not have happened without Eddie Van Halen. Correct. So why don't we get those? artists anymore that's what frustrates me is like if you want to see that you have to go what was the name of that like band that makes fun of classic rock called like sex panther or steel something? panther steel panther yeah those dudes are way better than the guitar player in maroon five for sure yes <laughs> um so the problem is you took a bunch of really good guitar players and really good drummers and really good bass players and really good singers and you started calling them stuff like butt rock and started making fun of them and then the industry the music industry was like hmm Bands are out entirely. We don't do bands anymore. We do Jack Johnson. And those dudes were like, those dudes were like, okay, so I guess we'll be in Imagine Dragons. Everybody was like, Imagine Dragons is the worst band ever. They're worse than Nickelback. <laughs> those dudes are like, okay, so what do you want from us? We want you to shut up and make your money. Do do studio work. Like Adam Levine from Maroon 5 is an extremely gifted singer. Yes. That dude's got absolute pipes. Yes. And if you want, like, if you, not that Maroon 5 music isn't good. Now, it's definitely been better, and it gets worse every time I hear a song by them. Yeah. But every time I listen to a song that's not, like, songs about Jane, I'm like, oh, I hate this. No, even, even more recently, like, I'll go back and listen to moves like Jagger, and I'm like, this song slaps. But, like, Adam Levine talent absolutely wasted. If you want, yeah. if you want terms of, like, good, like, virtuoso music, and like, good music, air quotes, like, the, we need the, more Adam Levine. The industry is just crushing it out of people. They're not, they're, they're those, just, those, kind of, those kinds of talents aren't rising to the top anymore. It's, so, the, I actually saw a TikTok about this not too long ago, and it was talking about how the industry now only is interested in vocal timbre. Yeah. It is not interested in any way with your technical ability. Because technical all. ability doesn't matter anymore. Autotune has gotten so good that it's unrecognizable. Right. But if you so, sound good, they can do whatever with you. Right. And so it doesn't, like, everybody, like, everybody can play guitar. I mean, not everybody can play guitar, but, like, a guitar sounds like a guitar. Yeah. You and can I tell, know that you, the computer can do it for you. Right. That's, that's no, a generalization. It can't do what Eddie like, Van Halen does. <laughs> but they don't want Eddie Van Halen. But it can, it can do what, what the dude from Room 5 does. Yeah. Like, you could plug, you, you could plug this love into a... Um, into a computer. You don't need drummers at all. You don't need drummers even a little bit. Nope, unless you're in like a metal band. Yeah, although 
it'd probably be easier to MIDI file some double bass than to actually kick your feet that fast. Um, yeah, but that's like there's still with there's to some extent in in like it's in scene music or whatever. There's there's still some remnants of like you got to be able to play it on stage or it doesn't count. Not not in COVID. Well, not in COVID, but like that's the assumption behind it is like that music can't be air quote fake. You use backing tracks or whatever, but like your drummer should be able to play his drum parts or you're not really doing it right. We just perform it acoustic. It's just me and the and the other guitar player. We just go up and we just <laughs> <laughs> with acoustic guitars. Yeah. <laughs> Turn to drop F. <laughs> But this is the thing is that we are old farts, right? That's the issue with this whole thing is that like, yeah, for sure. We're sitting here like they don't make it like they used to. And it's like, well, better embrace the future. Or we'll be left behind. Um, yeah, to some extent. But I'm also like thinking about like, this has just been like the last five to 10 years. Really? That's a long time. There's only been rock music for like 100 years. No, like 70 years. Right. But like most of that 70 years was sick. <laughs> Like there's been good, there was good bands in the 2010s. There's good bands in the 2000s. There was good bands in the 90s. Good bands in the 80s, 70s, 60s, 50s. There's a new type of. It's interesting the way that the vocal timbre movement affects singer songwriters, where that was like already the problem, right? So it is like an interesting thing. Where like if you could sing pretty decently and you had the right sort of like sound. Then like you would exist in that world. Now I'll say the talent creeps through every now and then. Louis Capaldi dude can sing. That dude's got pipes. Who's Louis Capaldi? He does the, the Before You Go song that's popular on TikTok. I like, uh, who's that one guy <laughs> with the fingernails? Uh, with the fingernails? I sent you a video that he did today. He's like super famous. I have no idea. I don't remember. Oh, this. I have to pull it up. He's like super famous. And now I feel stupid. My phone is uh, updating right now. Uh, Hold on. Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. Let me pull it up. Charlie Puth. I hate that guy. Really? I hate that guy. I mean, you sent me that video and I was like, maybe I'll start to like him more because of TikTok or whatever. But like, I cannot stand that dude's songs. Well, that video was just making fun of Ed Sheeran. I know it was. But like, and I, and I thought that was funny that he was like, you know, I'm going to play on the bit because that <laughs> that bit is hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> Like, playing over let's Ed play Sheeran. over Ed Sheeran. <laughs> it's because Ed Sheeran's not on the app. He's He doesn't have time for TikTok. He's not making one sitting on his couch like... No, he's historically, like, not a participant of media, like, at all. Right, but you, like, sh- he could do TikTok. I want one TikTok Right, but he doesn't have any desire couch. to, nor does he need to. He's Ed Sheeran. I know. He'll eventually I'm... really subtract and go octuple platinum. <laughs> And it'll be fine. Like I think people don't like Nickelback because they're the last rock band to be rich. That's why they don't like them. Yeah, they were the last like, like rock band to like make it. Yeah. Like in the 90s when you could go platinum and that set you up for life. For forever. Yeah. Right. Where now if you go platinum, like you can live on a $30,000 salary this year. No, I mean, if you go platinum, you're still doing pretty well. You think? Yeah. I well, at know. least before COVID. You'd think that COVID would help streaming like people, musicians. People love to complain about streaming music and the, like the revenue for streaming music or whatever. But like, I promise you dudes that play if you're on a record label like even even if you're like an indie band or whatever and you're signed to like sub pop or interscope or whatever like you're still doing fine like the mountain goats make a pretty solid living they're not rich but they they do well playing half sold out clubs every night john darneal is that his name josh john John Darnell yeah. does not strike me as the I want to be a millionaire type. No, but he's also like they've never had songs on the radio for the most part. Like even like alternative radio and they're they're like indie rock and whatever and they're doing fine. They will admit that right. they're doing fine. They have to work hard to do fine. They have to play a bunch of shows. But like even like it is impossible for Drop the Girl to make music or to make money like the Mountain Goats do. Why is that? Because we are categorized the way we are. You don't think All Time Low makes Mountain Goats money? I think there are, are a few examples. Also, All Time Low was signed to a major label and then like failed off of it. It was never a phase, Mom. <laughs> 
I think All Time Low is more popular right now than they have ever been. Hot Shell Ray. You don't think Hot Shell Ray is making money? AJR? They're not really you guys. No, it, that's Those what I'm saying. Like, AJR makes pop music. Yeah. So does Hot Shell Ray. But so like, that that, really that, that's what I'm saying is we, but we couldn't suddenly decide that we make pop music. Haley Williams. You don't think Haley Williams is a millionaire? I'm not saying that. You're not letting me finish my point. All right. I, okay. So I, I do think Haley Williams is a millionaire. I think Haley Williams has had to work a hell of a lot harder than. Uh, <clears throat> this is a bad example because they're like famous producers. I was going to say Benji and Joel Madden from uh, uh, Good Charlotte. Well, that was the 90s, man. That's but that's what I'm saying. It's like Haley Williams yeah. has had to, and Haley Williams and Pete Wentz and Patrick Stump and Brendan Urie have had to work a lot harder for their money than the dudes in Green Day and Sum 41 and Good Charlotte. And yeah. Paramore was the last band to make it. Paramore. Paramore and All Time Low. I would say of like the seven bands you just named, Paramore is by far the best. Uh, Sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, I love Fall Out Boy, and I love Panic at the Disco. Paramore's not the best out of those. You I like think? Paramore. I don't like them more than Fall Out Boy or Panic at the Disco or Green Day or Day to Remember. Day to Remember. I bet those dudes are millionaires. Yeah, but they, like, they broke the industry. Yeah, they were like, screw you. Um... So they were they, they were the, they, like, hit it. they were the last pop punk band to like make it. Yeah. That was that was 10 11 years ago now that they made it. They were like screw you. And everybody else them? has been like okay so we're just stuck like we're never going to get paid. like we're paying we're playing the same shows as the Mountain Goats but they're getting three times four times as much money. Nothing against the Mountain Goats. It's just like if the Mountain Goats play the Broadberry in Richmond they make more money than uh than like if the Wonder Years play the Broadberry. Wonder Years. I bet those guys No, I bet those guys still need regular jobs. Those guys do not need regular jobs but they uh, are not millionaires. No, they're probably like, I would put them in the $50,000 a yeah, year. Yeah, the, the lead singer was like, I make as much as a teacher a couple years ago. Yeah. From the band, which is great, but also like they were the last band to get that. <laughs> like very few people have made that since then. I, so when we were watching TITV in like 2007, 2008, I was under the impression that those guys were millionaires. I genuinely think they made less than $100,000 each. They definitely made less than $100,000 each. Yes. Like during that entire but so did, so did P. Wentz and Patrick Stump and Haley Williams and Brendan Urie and Gabe Supporta. Fall Out Boy did bigger than... Fall Out Boy was never making Cobra Starship money. Fall, or Cobra Starship was never making Fall Out Boy money. No, but Fall Out Boy mo- made more money last year <coughs> than they did in any year prior. I would believe that. You remember when Fall Out Boy was like, uh, hey, Elton John, do you want to do a song with us? And you and I did a radio show about it and we were like, can you imagine Fall Out Boy booking Elton John? And now... I feel like it'd be the other way around. And I'd be like, can you imagine if Elton John got Fall Out Boy to play with him? Fall Out Boy, I would say Fall Out Boy made more money off Save Rock and Roll than they did the previous four albums combined. Oh, yeah. Because it was like a radio album. Yeah. Danny and Zach were talking about them. But that's the thing is if I made Save Rock and Roll right now, the industry would combine to be like, okay, pop punk kids, sit down. You don't think Elton John being on the album would help Okay, you? well, maybe Elton John being on the album <laughs> would definitely help. But I think that's the thing is like, I could, I would not make the same money doing that music. I would not make the same money off a billion streams that, oh, billions a lot i would not make the same money off of uh, five million streams than um than like what would make you more money five million streams or five thousand albums sold oh five thousand albums sold really yeah hands on the floor yes if i sold five thousand vinyls no, no 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 like like cds it's still profit margins aren't that much different Dang. the streaming revenue is nothing we should sell five thousand albums but like if i if i made five million streams and jason isbell made five million streams he makes more money than i do really yeah he's a bad example because he owns his own record label i'm trying to think of like it sounds like you gotta open your own record label i definitely and then release jason isbell quality music now don't get me wrong jason isbell makes better music than i will ever be able to no matter what yeah when you meet guys like john darneal and and and, and jason isbell or you like you find them those dudes are better you, songwriters than do you ever get so mad like oh there are bounds to creativity 
activity I didn't even know existed. There, there are bounds that are beyond, like, if, if I came up against the edges of my abilities as a songwriter, I would never put those words together in that way. And never come close, never come close. to the way But at the same time, the Mountain Goats writes absurd music about, John Deere writes absurd music about whatever he wants. It's like I was singing a Mountain Goat song to myself today, and I was like... And there's there's a line in, in in this song. It's a song called Golden Boy, and it's about uh, this brand of Chinese peanuts that doesn't exist anymore. Nice. And there's literally a line in that song that says, there are no Pan-Asian supermarkets down in hell, so you can't buy Golden Boy peanuts. And I'm like, how would I explain to an outsider that not only is this my favorite band, but this song also rips very hard? Like, how do I present that line to somebody and make it make sense? Here, let me, let me loop us back into the topic at hand. Could Bill Murray in Groundhog Day write a Mountain Goat song? Like, if I was given 10,000 days where i didn't age and there were no consequences could i find yeah bill murray could have written one of the greatest albums ever made you think yeah because not only did he live through the highest highs the lowest lows hey he committed suicide like probably a hundred times maybe more and if we talk about ten thousand days we just discovered that's about 27 years and got away with it and like did all these things and did whatever he wanted and got away with it and did whatever he never wanted to do and got away with it and lost the meaning of time entirely yeah i think that could compel somebody to write a pretty good album and he didn't but even you write still have to be the right person right like if you put if you put john darneal in that situation and you put bill murray in that situation John Darnielle's gonna come out with a better album. He's going to find a way to put those experiences into words better. Because John Darnielle has... I have lived through some things that no 27-year-old should be expected to live through. And John Darnielle has been through things that I could never imagine. And has put yeah. those experiences into songs in ways that, like, make them make sense to me, a 27-year-old who's never done meth ever. I've never even seen meth. I've never even seen meth. I, like, if I know what it like, looks hey. like because of Breaking Bad. I was not on the verge of dying because of a meth and heroin addiction and then like just cold turkey my way out of it and moved to Iowa and fell in love with a librarian and had some kids together. You know what's so crazy is I'm willing to bet like when all of that was happening, it was not as poetic as it sounds. That's what always blows my mind about those stories is how... John Dardiel's pretty straightforward with how it wasn't that poetic and he is just like some sort of freak that turns it into poetry. Right. Like like you don't think about, and then I fell in love with the librarian. You just think about like, and then I fell in love with Stacy, whoever that is. Because cause when you're in it, they are their identity. Right. Right, so it's, it's it's always very interesting to me. I fell in love with the with the girl from Calm Two Twenty Two. Yeah, but she was just Debbie. She was Emily. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but like, first of all, you can't um you can't write the song and name it after your wife. <laughs> like that's too that's because that's too on the nose. Well, I can't write songs about my exes. No, you can my write songs about Emily. Like, you can't name her Emily. Oh, right. Yeah, because if I wrote a song about my ex, my wife would be like, why did you write this? And I would be like, I don't know. It was. I did not enjoy it at all. It was a very painful experience. <laughs> right, that's part of art. Is you're supposed to turn the pain you felt and the things you went through into beautiful things that help other people not be sad anymore. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Bill Murray doesn't do any of that in this movie. No, he learns how to play jazz. He learns how to play somebody else's songs, which is a cop-out. Well, he's, he's still an actor. And he, I think he's the one playing the piano. So that to me i will believe anything about bill murray so that's the thing is like bill murray's whole thing is that like he doesn't have an agent he like you you call a phone and uh and you pitch him your movie and he says he calls you back and says yeah i'll do it right it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter if you're wes anderson everybody uses the bill murray pitch line what is the bill murray pitch line oh oh you mean like the phone yeah line. the phone line you, you you call the phone wes anderson calls the phone quentin tarantino calls the phone and says hey bill i've got a movie for you i want you to play a gangster that murders people i'm imagining a, an imaginary quentin tarantino film where bill murray plays a gangster 
I do think so I, I love this about him that like he's this enigma in Hollywood and he's like accidentally a legend I am afraid that he is I mean I he won't be with us much longer I don't think uh why and he like 80 something I don't think so you seen pictures of Bill Murray I don't think he's that old he is 70 he's, oh well, maybe we got some time then he does strike me as the smokes a pack of cigars a day type though he strikes, he strikes me as the smokes a pack of cigars a day but like that will be the reason he lives to be 112 right. because he's bill murray because he has to live to be live to be 112 right well like he just like like he's the next uh betty white yeah like he's he's the most interesting man in the world right like it will just happen for him right he's the, everything he's there for he's there for by for by accident right like just happens to bill murray that's the thing is like bill murray's whole thing is like hey, you, you read the trivia on any imdb movie he's in and they're like these this xyz lines were improvised by M- bill murray for no reason and just like he just made it up didn't have direction in the script or whatever and so like it has come to the point where i'll believe anything you tell me about bill murray there's a scene in this movie that maybe i looked down for a second and i missed some necessary context but there's an entire scene right in the middle of this movie that i i don't i think bill murray was just like just throw this in there see what happens it's when he gets out of the car at the movie theater in the cowboy costume with the girl who's only in that scene. Yeah. What is happening? It's fantasy. He's just living out his fantasies. He's just doing, just doing, doing his thing. Uh, yeah. So there are people do have a lot of legitimate complaints against this movie for a specific reason of like what he does to these women is wrong and horrible. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's also impossible. And, th- and that it's a bad movie because of that. And I do disagree with that because like never once have I watched this movie and been like, I should do this to women. This is how I, I should would find do it. everything about their pasts out and use it against them. I've never had that thought watching this movie in my life he's also in an impossible situation with no consequences he breaks all sorts of laws laws and social conventions that's like the whole point that's the commentary right is that man left to his own devices uh will do these horrible things and i don't i don't think that's man like the male i think that's man like the species i do think it'd be interesting to see to, to like even read a script or to see a film Groundhog Day if instead of Phil the Weatherman it was Jane the Weatherman what would she do what would a woman do with endless consequences? I would I would time? back that remake on, on Indiegogo like right now here's the real thing I, Ocean's 8 slapped you liked it? loved it really? loved it I did not love it loved it huh. absolutely loved it there are reasons to not like it and there are bad reasons to not like it i didn't dislike it because it's an all female no cast. i don't think you did i think a lot of people did i don't think you did i don't think it was the greatest storytelling i've ever seen i think it definitely has its flaws it's not the same quality story t- it's, well, it's not soderbergh that's the biggest it's problem. not soderbergh for sure um yeah you just it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it fits as much but i did love it i am on board for all of this like you want to make x movie about you want to remake x movie with an all-female cast and see if it sticks go for it what'd you think of ghostbusters we did that one on here it's it's had some time to sit with you um i think we did it the disservice of like watching the original ghostbusters and then watching the 2016 we, ghostbusters we did it and the saying service what of watching ghostbusters 2 and then watching it that's true but but it is like it is i think going against original ghostbusters it is an unfair fight i do too not to say that like it, it can't be a good movie because it's it's women it, it can't be as good because it's new so here's my proposal we remake pirates of the caribbean with captain jane sparrow yeah 100 percent on board and you go full tilt with it you get like helena bonham carter to do it like somebody who would really go above and beyond yeah 100 percent. johnny depp level 100 percent 150 percent it yeah right yeah absolutely i see no problems with this i think what you don't don't do is you do Jane Jane Sparrow, Captain Jane Sparrow, with like Kate McKinnon. I think I you think still call you, her Jack. Oh, you call her Jack. Yeah. You, you, you like the same script and everything. No, I don't think you have to have the same script because I think they're like... 
I think you highlight the stupid stuff that Jack Sparrow does that a like proper thinking woman with a head on her shoulders would never get herself into. Do you think Jane Sparrow, Jane only so that we can differentiate the characters, still has these relationships with the busty women in Tortuga? Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. I think that we can just start making the assumption and the assertion that all pirates are at least bisexual. Yeah. Especially all all sailors. Like, that's a that real the- thing in the U.S. Navy. Oh, God. <laughs> We're gonna get some DMs on that one. Every uh, every dude I know in the Navy under the age of thirty identifies as bisexual. Uh we were living in a Navy town. That was a lot of dudes. Every dude I still know in the Navy under the age of thirty that I still know <laughs> to this day under the age of thirty identifies as bisexual at the very least. Uh, I know a lot of thing. flat out gay dudes in the Navy. That was the thing with Caesar, right? Was that like he got kidnapped by pirates? But then it was like he raising did my eyebrows. Yeah, it's like a thing. Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar the, and the the, the, the the salad dressing dude himself. And yeah, and the and the pirates. You listener can't see, but I'm I'm So I'm yeah, I think I think going forward winking. you just have to assume and assert that all pirates are bisexuals. Well, especially like let's take a look at the time period. There's no women on board. I mean, there would be in our version of the tale. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think that that, that Cap- right, like, Captain James Sparrow, Captain James Sparrow, flies her flag above a board a boat full of full of women. Do you think Captain James Sparrow has like a rainbow skull and crossbones? No, no. I don't think I don't want to assume that for Captain Jane Sparrow. Yeah, I don't feel like I get to decide that Captain Jane Sparrow is is or is not LGBT. I think I think she has to show us that. I think that they just never mention it, right? It's just, it's just like well, a I don't, facet I don't, of I don't, the I don't get to participate in this movie at all because I don't. Right. I, a, I don't want to, and B, I'm not qualified <laughs> either right. as a filmmaker or as a woman or a writer. <laughs> well, that would be part of like filmmaker, right? Do you follow um Ka- what's her name? Hang on, on TikTok, I gotta find this woman because she is my absolute hero. Do you follow Captain Kate McHugh on TikTok? Uh uh-uh. uh She is the captain of the uh, of a celebrity cruise ship. Oh, is this the one? She shows on my for you page from time to time where she is always giving you like a tour of the captain's quarters and the yeah. like, bridge. Yeah, and it's all female crew. and just dragging the misogynists. Yes, absolutely putting them to shame people being like people being like oh you're just you know you're just a diversity hire and she'll like post a a video of her and her whole crew and be like okay and (laughs) we got the job (laughs) i don't see a man captaining this ship like like, there's no man in this company who could tell me what to do this is my ship my boat She's my absolute hero. She's the best. Um, and I love learning about the ins and outs of cruise ships because that is yeah. a fascinating like lifestyle that they lead. We had a friend in college, an acquaintance, friend of our roommate who uh, was a cruise ship entertainer for a few years. Yeah, you know who was a cruise ship entertainer? Our fraternity brother, Christian Allen. Is he? He's like still employed by Carnival. No way. Yeah, he was that. on Hi, a Christian. Carnival ship when COVID and was like stuck on a Carnival ship for like three months when COVID started. God, that suck. But I think it's Maybe. crazy. It's crazy that we don't have a place to dock the cruise ships we do in virginia we have the navy no 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 but there's there's like more cruise ships than they can house oh like oh so captain kate McHugh is just sailing around the caribbean constantly on her ghost ship <laughs> because there's nowhere to park it <laughs> uh, because you we can't have are? all the cruise oh, ships oh, not oh, running oh. at the same time do you know how many blips there are how many th- yeah there's like 25 25 on the planet well on and off the planet. I'm not shocked by that. What? 
when when they're like it's the Goodyear blimp, that's like a big deal. There's two of them, yeah. That's a, there's like a six percent chance you're you looking at the Goodyear blimp. You don't watch a lot of golf, do you? Do I watch a lot of golf? You don't watch I a lot of golf. To. I used to love watching golf. When they, when they, um, so when they would, when you would watch golf, they would name the blimps. There's like three of them. That golf blimp. Yeah, like like the MetLife Snoopy one, two, and three. Oh, so they'd be like, that's the MetLife Snoopy two. That would be like that's Snoopy two up there. <laughs> How do you get a blimp? Also, how do we you get can, the bacon blimps, and blimp? Blimps move faster than you think they do. <laughs> they'll be like, they'll be like, okay, so we're taking off today from Raleigh, North Carolina, for an event in Kansas, and then we're gonna fly home. Because I think of blimps as going like three miles an hour. How do I get a blimp? Um, I think from what I learned from that TikTok is you can just like rant one. No, 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 no. I want like the bacon and eggs blimp. Like that's bacon. Well, one. Oh, so on on Top Gear they. And I, granted, I mean, a lot of what we saw on Top Gear was not the full story, obviously, because it's a television show. It was entertainment first, not reporting. It first. was entertainment first. So they did they did build a blimp and fly it into the Nottingham airport and get arrested. I would like to do that. They just built a blimp. Because, okay, so the, the, the principles of lighter than air flight are pretty straightforward. You fill a bubble with light stuff and untether it, and it just goes. Right. And then you build a tank. And eventually is... it'll stop being lighter than the air, and that's how high you go. Right, and you build like a canister for you to exist in that is that that has a propeller on it. Right, that and the that, lighter hey, than you. That's stuff blimping, it. baby. That's it. <laughs> that's blimps. We should build a zeppelin, a dirigible, a freaking humdinger. What was it called? The one that blew up? The Hindenburg. Hindenburg. The humdinger. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! You remember that scene in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade where he just nope. like tosses a dude off the Hindenburg? No, I don't remember mm. that. Somebody looks at him funny and he goes, "No ticket." Turns around and walks away. I remember the scene in uh, Up. You remember Up? Where at the end there's a bunch of dogs flying biplanes. What in the Wes Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> I swear, Up has like one of the best first two acts, and the third act loses me entirely. Okay, so Up has the best time. first ten minutes, and then the rest of the movie loses me entirely. <laughs> I don't care about the kid or the old man after that. Oh, I he's do. grouchy. Like, he's not. He's a kid, and and they go on a freaking. The bird likes chocolate. The bird likes chocolate, and the dog can talk. <laughs> God, just give me, give me the inside of people's feelings, please. More of this. <laughs> inside out <laughs> i want i want a very high pitched piano going like bing 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 what about do 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 i mean that's a great great piece of soundtrack that again comes with like the first 10 minutes of the movie I bet there's like a scene of them walking through the South African or South American jungle. Where it plays Married Life by Michael Giacchino. <laughs> Where it plays that motif. That life motif. Do you never watch Westworld? I watched a pilot episode for the for the old Hash Browns. Oh yeah, you did. I forgot about that. Oh, that's pretty good. More so than anything. So the guy that does the music for Westworld is named Ramin Jawadi. And mm-hmm. He also did the Game of Thrones music, which I thought was good, but not ever, like, exceptional for the most part. The theme song is all right. Uh, some of the other music is, is better. The Westworld, there's something about the Westworld theme music. And this has nothing to do with anything we're talking about. Um, There's something about the Westworld music that sounds like nothing else. Like, almost never, with the exception of watching other movies... Almost never will I be like, mm, that sounds like John Williams. But like all the time I listen to music and to movie scores and TV scores and stuff and just like, this sounds like Westworld and I'm not qualified to tell you why. I'm gonna listen to it. I don't know the music theory. Uh, you listen to the theme song? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
typically in westerns, I better talk about my butt. Typically in westerns, I was gonna say tread like, carefully here, brother. <laughs> in western music, there's like heavy reliance on chords that are right next to each other. It's like a C and then a C sharp. I think that's definitely the case here. Yeah, they did. Uh, did uh, uh, there's one part right at uh, 35 seconds in where it does like a thing, but that's not even the right notes because it's it, it's it's smaller intervals than that somehow working together. But I don't I don't have the like right music theory to be like, oh, this is why that sounds like that to me. It's it's that I don't. Even know what it's called but it's that old when you like first pick up a guitar and you learn bar chords and you're like dun 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 that I don't know what it's There's called. a part in Satisfied from Hamilton that sounds like Westworld to me. You'll never be satisfied. Like, I don't it, have an upper lip, Ethan. I've been, this has been driving me crazy lately. What? I learned what I don't like about my face, and it's been, oh, it's been killing me. My upper lip, I don't know if it's my mustache or what, but it's gone. It's gone entirely. Look at this. I'm all bottom lip. All bottom lip? Look at this. Look. <laughs> We gotta it. start posting these Zoom calls for the people to see. <laughs> all bottom lip. I'm all it does absolutely insane. Thing and insatisfied. I'm like, that sounds like Westworld. And I don't. It's like the only time. It's the only thing I ever think of that way. Like I'll hear a random piece of music, a random piece of TV score, a movie score. I'm like, that sounds like Westworld. That's Westworld from WBNE and HBO. A new Western threat. No, that would be awesome. <laughs> we bought Westworld. Mr. Beast and WBA. We bought a Westworld featuring Matt Damon. <laughs> is Matt Damon in Westworld? No, Matt Damon's in We Bought a Zoo. Oh. I think. Yeah, he is. Or is it Mark Wahlberg? Oh, good question. Those guys have upper lips. Uh, yeah, there's a reason Matt Damon's more famous than you, bud. <laughs> it's not the upper lip thing either. I think it is. It is Matt Damon. Matt Damon's so hot. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was just looking at Matt Damon on the We Bought a Zoo cover, and I was like, Matt Damon's really hot. He's just got, he like, was... golden hair and, like, a golden smile. His hair's brown. Yeah, not on this picture, though. Is it blonde? Was he blonde for We Bought a no, Zoo? No, it's just got great highlights in it. What? Look at so the We weird. Bought the Zoo photo. Uh, Sir, just Google search We Bought a Zoo, okay, and click on images. Image Look at this images. winning smile oh, my dude's got on his right. face. Look at him go. He just looks like such a, such a family man. It looks like know? such a friendly guy. I think, honestly, honestly... Honestly, for a, for one million dollars, you could not have told me Scarlett Johansson was in this movie. No, not a chance. Also, she gets she's a beautiful woman, and she gets outshone by Matt Damon on this <laughs> movie poster. He just looks so happy that they bought a zoo, but don't they have to like kill a tiger? I don't. Like, I, hey, hey, bud. Hey, Baskins. Tyler. Hey, Team Money. My dude, Mister Carlin. Do you think I've seen We Bought a Zoo? Next week on Bacon Next and Eggs. Next week on Bacon and Eggs. We bought, we a, bought zoo a zoo with no. Matt Damon. <laughs> oh, man. I would have so much fun with this one. We can do We Bought a Zoo I next recently week. heard... <laughs> this, is the, this is the best description. Somebody was describing a movie and, and referred to him as... Interstellar's Matt Damon. <laughs> is he in Interstellar? Yeah, he is. Barely. He's a guy who tries to kill McConaughey on the ice planet and then blows himself oh. up. You want to talk about it? Okay. You want to talk about You want to talk about movie scoring. You want to talk about leitmotifs. You're talking about the Let's talk about No Time for Caution from the Interstellar soundtrack. This is a man who's talking about an overrated film. Hold on. Okay, so what's the rating on Interstellar? You know, Hans did Wonder Woman '84, which was a subpar film, but uh, Hans great like music. gave up Dune or gave up the new. No, yeah, he's doing Dune. That's it. Seventy-two percent. Seventy-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Seventy-two for Interstellar. Seventy-two. What the? 
Maverick. We know you love this movie, Ethan. That doesn't mean everyone has to. Okay, but it's better. It's better than a 72 on score alone. Yeah, but it loses points. It's, it's got, got Matt, Matt Damon in it. It's got Matt Damon, Matthew McConaughey. Matt Damon. Yeah. I'm sorry. Are you listening to No Time for Caution? I am, yeah. It's just bum 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 bum. But it's the motif, right? It's the it's the fastest it's been played in the whole movie, and it's the loudest it's been played, and it's been played with the most organ in the whole movie. That whole thing has been there the entire time. It was like imperceptible at the beginning of the movie. This 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 thing that you're hearing, that 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 melody being played at like three BPM. Can I ask you a question? What? If we're doing a Hans Zimmer movie next week. We are? No. But have you thought about the Da Vinci Code recently? You're thinking about the Da Vinci Code because I told you I thought about the Da Vinci Code. Nuh-uh. Yeah, last week in the in the Hash Browns, I was like, yo, I really want to read the Da Vinci Code books. I haven't done that in a long time. Oh, man, we should read those books. I'm gonna. I gotta bank some more rereads first because I've read all of them. I've got to read uh, more books in general. So next week, what are we covering on Bacon and Eggs, Ethan? We I talked no, about a movie. I, no idea. Um, I wanted to do... Uh, what was it called? Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. The the final chapter of Bozeman movie. That's the one. I'm down. I want to go ahead and just put that into the ether. Go for it. I just want to, next week, it's on Netflix. Ma, Ma Rainey's, Rainey's Black Bottom. Black Bottom. Chadwick Bozeman. If you see a black Chadwick Bozeman with a trumpet, cornet. Perhaps that's the it's probably one. not hard to find. You could probably just type in Ma any Rainey. of those words. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Honestly, if you go to Netflix and type the word black in, you'll probably find some good movies. <laughs> probably like the worst. You're you're so you're not gonna find Black Panther anymore. It is a cornet. If everybody was you'd probably find uh, Chadwick Boseman's The out. Five Bloods. We could probably find out. No, I'm definitely probably find not Black Klansman. Have you seen that movie? Black Klansman. Yeah. I've seen probably most of it. Okay, I couldn't remember. It's got Adam Driver in it. It sure does. And you know how I feel about Adam Driver. Again, this is not the thing I would point out about. Okay, like I I know that Adam Driver was really good in Black Klansman. And you know that Adam Driver was really good in Black Klansman. Okay, but like I don't like to have that be the reason that anybody likes Black Klansman. I don't know. He was so good. I just saw too many people being like, wow, I really loved Black Klansman because Adam Driver was a good actor in it. I think like, it's it just, the way you approach it. I think you can say that, but if you say I love Black Klansman because Kylo Ren was so good in it, then I think you missed the mark. That's true. Man, if you, uh, and to be fair, if you say um, I really just loved Topher Grace in that movie, you definitely <laughs> missed the mark. <laughs> Playing David Duke, the Grand Wizard of the KKK. God, I hate the KKK. Me too. But probably the best thing Topher Grace has ever done. That 70s show was rad. Yeah, but he's so good in Black Klansman. That whole movie is so good. I love Spike Lee. Spike Lee outdid himself in that movie. Should have won the Oscar. Yeah, absolutely. Over Green Book? Absolutely. That wasn't the same year. Yes, it was. It was? Yes. Oh, well then, yeah, 100%. (laughs) I haven't seen Green Book. Black Panther should have won the Oscar over Green Book. Black Panther was sweet. This This isn't even a black versus white argument. There were nine movies that should have won it over Green Book. We should, I should watch Green Book, is what I'm hearing. I've watched it. It was uncomfortable. I don't want to say that I'm, like, the wokest person in the world or that I understand things better than anybody else, but, like, as a guy that's come to grips with my white privilege recently, Green Book's an uncomfortable movie to watch. It's got Mahershala Ali. Not in, like, a, not in, like, a, I, like, feel embarrassed to, for whatever. I feel like that white dude gets away with too much in this movie that stands by itself. It is an uncomfortable movie to watch. Like, sometimes when people are like, oh, this movie's just a white savior thing. And I'm like, oh, but it's got other merits. This one did. 
<laughs> this one really hit that point home. I do love Marshall Ali, though. I love Vigo Mortensen. I'm not hating on either of those dudes. I don't think it's their fault. I think they got a job. And they no, were like, oh, I, yeah, I hate. Oscar I'm so, so tired of blaming the actor for a script. Blaming the actor also, for taking a job. And I understand on. that, like, it is your job. Is it, you don't. Nobody's forcing you to take the job. Whatever. I get it. Um, Let me tell you something. If George Lucas calls you in 2001 or in, in, in 2000 and says, we want to recast Anakin Skywalker and we think you're the guy for the job, you you do not have a choice. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't talking about Hayden Christensen. I know. I was talking about like, like Eddie Redmayne. <laughs> Vigo Mortensen. George was wrong on that one. Mahershal Ali, especially that dude, got the shaft on that movie. Do you remember uh, he won an Oscar? Yeah, but he had that dude's family like beating down his door, being like, "You did our guy wrong." Mahershal Ali won an Oscar. He won Best Supporting Actor like two years in a row. Yeah, but he was also like terrorized for his portrayal in that movie. Hey, yeah, you remember when he got the Best Supporting Actor Oscar for Moonlight, and he was in it for like three minutes? Yeah, it was a good three minutes though. It was so good. He made that movie. He's got a lot of upper lip. I don't have any of that. I love Mahershala Ali. Love Same. him. See, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, he does. That's a handsome dude. Well, Mahershala Ali is beautiful. Yeah. 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 He just looks like he's cut out of marble. Yeah. Like, I would, him pick him, I would pick him for a remake of Michelangelo's David. <laughs> Except it's, instead, it's you put it up right next to David, and it's just called Mahershala. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you know what? You make him pronounce it, too. Oh, man. That would be good. Ethan, the I think wickedly we're talented Adele Dazeem. What'd you say? I think we're at rap time. We're not at rap time. Are we not? No, it's, we're at an hour. Hour and 18 minutes. I, I could have swore we started the rap and talking about the. We've the got 30 minutes score. left in this recording block. Okay. Are you okay? What do you mean? You need, you need a drink of water? You need a high five? What do you need? What are you talking about? I don't know. You seem stressed. You seem pressed. No, I'm just saying I don't think we can cut it right here. I'm not trying to cut it. But like we. So you we got to rap last week and we ended short of our block. I don't think we should we take so much time away from this podcast. We did. I think we should get back to Groundhog Day. I did too. So tell me more, Rita. The love story. So this, I think, was the first time I've ever watched this movie all the way through. And I really did think it was about he has to learn how to be a good person. Like, he has to save the kid and save the homeless man was what I was expecting and not what it ended up being. The one thing I... Do you feel... Okay. See, what I was expecting was he has to learn to play the piano and learn to be kind and learn to learn to want to save the homeless man and learn to want to save the kid. No, Ethan, it's none of those things. He has to get the most absurd life insurance policy. He has to get the most absurd life insurance policy you could possibly get. And I love that that's the iteration that sticks because he's out so much money. Yeah. He has to pay that now. And that's so (laughs) funny. Well, you can you can cancel it. And if he cancels it with he couldn't. He couldn't, though. He couldn't. Not the needle nose Ned. Ned the head. Ned. Ryerson. I think after 12 months when Ned gets to collect his commissions he cancels it. I don't think he does. I think Bill Murray hangs on to the rest of I think I think Phil Connors hangs on to the rest of his life for dear life. I think he also at this stage in his life is like uh, I've lived everything I ever need to live and I want to provide for those that come after me. Right. But also like like you you get an unlimited number of days right when you're when you're Phil Connors you get to live that life as many times as humanly possible as many times as you can imagine till you become the person you need to be and then you get like I don't know 15, 16, 20,000 more? Days? Days. Yeah. If he's in... Harold Lamis' original statement was that he was in that loop for 10 thousand years. Now, I think that's a lot. I think that's excessive. I think that is probably an excessive estimate. I think that if you give, uh, if you put enough monkeys in enough rooms with enough type riders, you come up with stop the guy from chewing on his steak wrong and then win the auction and then fall in love with Rita before you get to 10,000 years. Yeah. But I don't think 10,000, I don't think 10 years is enough. I think 10,000 days, maybe closer to it or maybe a hundred years, something like that. I think it's got to be longer than the rest of his life, right? So you think that, because the idea, the idea is, is that Phil Connors would have never learned this in the rest of his life. 
This is basically a Christmas story. It's a Christmas story adaptation, not Christmas story. Christmas Carol adaptation. <laughs> Christmas. You're gonna poke your eye out. Y'all shoot your eye out. Yeah, no, this is basically a Christmas Carol adaptation. He has to learn to be the guy that he wants to be for the rest of his life, right? That has to right. take more than the rest of his life. So so here's when you start the clock again, I think Phil Connors hangs on to he's um what's his name? Uh Joe Gardner from Soul. And he doesn't know what he's gonna do with the rest of his life, but he's gonna live every minute. Here's here's my question. After a hundred years in a loop, you can't just be married to a normal person. Right? This is the uh this is the Captain America problem where like on the morning of 9-11, Peggy's like, what a beautiful September day. And Steve has got to be like, yep, nothing gonna happen today. Right, but he doesn't live through, he lives through loops. Right, but he's had all these experiences, he's had all this knowledge gained, he has the wisdom of and talent of somebody who is a hundred years older than him. Right, but he also never gets to see the snow melt. How far away from uh, Punxsutawney do you think you can get in 24 hours? Oh, he can't because there's a blizzard. There's a blizzard, yeah. There's a very convenient blizzard that locks him, that blocks that bridge that gets him back to Pittsburgh. Which is just, I'm sorry, not how Pennsylvania works. Go to Philly. You got you got four other directions, my dude. Yeah, it's a big it's a, rectangle. It's a big rectangle. And there's not like Punxsutawney doesn't have like Truman Show boundaries, right? Like it doesn't, I mean, doesn't it does work here. like that. <laughs> I mean, it does because of the blizzard. The blizzard keeps him there, right? Like you, you can either keep going or, and freeze to death, or you can go back to Punxsutawney. Do you yeah. think that they uh, they call it Pawnee because of Punxsutawney? Uh, no, the Pawnee were an Indian tribe. Oh, it's a real thing? Yeah. I didn't know that. Pretty sure. The Wamapoke, I don't think, are. I God, I hope not. Only, like, super make fun of them in the show. Yeah, the Pawnee were a Native American tribe, um, historically based mostly in Kansas, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. So not even Indiana. No, I think that's part of the thing. <laughs> is that, uh... We live that, in that uh, town. Pawnee, Indiana is violently culturally appropriative. We live in a town. I mean, we're... we're we, we, lived in a, we live in a town named after a Native American thing. I thought Roanoke was like an English word because it was the Roanoke Island, right? And they left to live with the Indians. Also, we don't live on that Roanoke Island. No, we don't. The Roanoke tribe were a Carolina Algonquin speaking people whose territory comprised present day Pawnee Bear County, Roanoke. Roanoke Island. Pawnee is Roanoke. That's what I've learned yeah. here. No, dude. Hey, hey, bud, did you need the name to tell you that? No, I hey, knew. Tyler, I've seen this show. We live, we, li we grew up about uh, three miles from the abutting city that thought they were better than us in every way and had their own school district and were better at sports. Yeah, Eagleton. Salem, Virginia is Eagleton, Indiana. Yeah. We live here actively. <laughs> Have you ever seen the stuff that people go through in like our local government? It's the same. Have you... uh? Have you ever done like broader search on uh, the problems with segregation in our schools? Like we always knew about it when we were growing up, but you know that we're like ranked in like the top like five most segregated school districts. Yeah, in, like, I was I was like intentionally bust into Roanoke City when I was in elementary school. Yeah, because they found like a white kid to go to that elementary school. Yeah, yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah, scary stuff. It's horrifying. If you look at the student population between K Spring High School and William Fleming High School, it's horrifying. Yeah, that's the same city. Yeah, same five eighty one. That's part of the whole uh, independent city Commonwealth thing too is like like it is just white supremacy that you can like Some keep the the black and brown folks in a different part of the city and then like charge them different tax rates and stuff I, would you ever i mean yeah obviously you would but like do you ever think about moving to one of the other parts of the state uh yeah all the time i think about all three other parts of the state all the time although i will say i i have recently in the last month thought a lot more about leaving roanoke than i ever have yeah yeah do you, we, well, i sort, do you I sort of don't have anything like 
the exception of like you, I don't really have anything tying me here anymore. Would you stay in Virginia or would you be like, screw it, man. Let's go to the mountains. I would move to Colorado. I would move to Richmond. I think that is the only other part of Virginia I would move to. I would move to any of the other three parts, truthfully. I think if I got a job at our alma mater, I would I would just take it. Go do I it. would not want to move back there. I live there as like an adult, like a townie. It's not great. I'd rather live I, here. I would do it if I would do it to work at my alma mater. I don't think I would. Move I have no there. desire to work that place at all for anything else uh and if i'm gonna live in northern virginia i'd rather just live in dc that's not an option for me you can't have like kids live in dc you can they'll do it all the time your kids I will go to school know. with like the president's kids yeah i don't think so i was talking to caitlin about this this morning actually that like dc i think was the the one like huge city that i would actually want to live inside of i would want to i mean if if i was not like married and with children i would be like Ethan, why don't we live in new york um i would live in like north jersey or like new york on the hudson manhattan baby i probably live in brooklyn or brooklyn give me those brooklyn bagels i mean but i'm thinking about it realistically like i like dc better than new york as like, a place DC. i would want to live dc is a cool freaking dc is an underrated place for sure yeah it's got its problems uh, and it's had its problems for the last four years that kind of gave it a bad name yeah but um, dc's rad atlanta's rad a little too warm but rad i was talking i was literally talking about this earlier today about like which major cities do want to live in um and dc i think does the best with the exception of the washington football team and if they move to alexandria it'll be better they do the best job of keeping the sports and concert venues on the public transport you can get the Washington football team for the Metro. Well, you can. It's like a half mile walk. It's a full mile. Whatever. It's, it's, it's actually more than that. But it's not like, okay, but like RFK Stadium used to be on the, like there was a stop in the parking lot. Like it used to be on the Metro. I love the Metro. That's what metro. I'm saying. It's like the, 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 the Verizon Center, Capital One Arena or whatever it is, is a Metro stop. Maybe our ballpark is a Metro stop. I think Washington does like a fantastic job of keeping those things. The 930 Club, RIP, uh, the, the concert venues, the sports arenas on the Metro more so than any other like major city like that. Like you can't yeah, take the- Jersey. You can't take the New York City subway to MetLife. It's in Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> you gotta take the train. You gotta get on a train. Where you can drive, but you don't have a car because you live in New York. I, but that was my whole thing is if I'm gonna live in a major city, I do not want to park at a football stadium. This is why I, I like DC is because you can live in Fairfax and get on the metro in well, Yes, in, that's in what I'm saying. City. Yeah. New York has the same kind of thing. I mean the the, the I, I did it last year or, or in December twenty nineteen. Where I like got on Jersey Rail in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and just like took it into Manhattan. It was great. It's a great experience. Ten out of ten. Um, and that's pretty freaking far out of of New York. Asbury Park is a very small town on the shore. Jersey Shore is great, by the way. If you've never been, very cool place. But you have a, uh, you uh, have a would I live anywhere else there? in Virginia? Yeah, I, I mean, like I would probably live in like Alexandria or Arlington. If I if I, I don't really want to be in like unincorporated it, I Fairfax County. I, my thing is that now that I live in like a house house, I would have a really hard time, and I wouldn't. I think I would like look at it one and be like, okay. Cool, I'll take it. But I would there would be a mental hurdle for me to go into like an apartment or a townhouse. Yeah, no, but if I could afford like a DC row house. What's a row house? You know what a row house is. Like a townhouse? Yeah, well, okay. A row house to me is where the crew team has parties. It's like a it's like a townhouse, but it's like the original version of that. Like a Brooklyn Brownstone. Like, like a like a boarding house. No. <laughs> with with Hey Arnold's room on top. It's like a townhouse if but townhouses townhouse implies a complex. Townhouse implies a neighborhood of identical townhouses that are in yeah, they, blocks of townhouses. Yeah, that's what they all look like. But that's not what a row house is. You ever driven around Fairfax? Right, but I don't want that at all. Right. <laughs> I'm not talking about Fairfax. I'm talking about getting a row house in D.C. Just Google the term, please. You're talking about like uh, we're across from the White House, not on the not on the mall side, but on the other side. Are yes. those row houses? Yes, I believe so. Okay. Just search D.C. row house, please. 
Yes, they are. Yes, this is that's what I would want, right? It, like it is an individual home. Yeah, like the like the houses in uh, where Danny Tanner lives, but in San Francisco. Didn't watch that show. You've seen the freaking thing. Sure, I'd live in San Francisco. Yeah, you've. it's exactly the same picture. I don't want to pick up and move to a new city and make new friends, but I think I could. I don't think I'd have a problem with that. Like, I, I would kind of want to go somewhere where I already knew somebody, but I also don't want to just drop in on somebody and be like, hey, friend I have in Seattle, I'm moving in down the street, across town. I, think I live near Pike's is, Place. Come hang out with me. Person I, I haven't do talked is to you, since you pick college. a city where you know somebody, and you're not dropping in, but it's like, hey, I, I got a job out there. Like, could we... I got a job out there, though, is very different from, like, Ethan picks up and moves to Colorado. Would you live a very interesting life? But, like, I couldn't just go to Seattle. I would have to have, like, I got a job out there type situation. No, I'd probably go there and get a job. I couldn't do that. I couldn't. I couldn't afford a mortgage in the meantime or rent. Um. Well, I so I I have the girl that can do what it, what she does wherever. I I I mean yeah. Everywhere sells things. I can do that anywhere. But right. I but but she want- can, but she can walk in. She can apply across the country to a hospital and then just walk in and do the job day one and be fine. Right. So that is the interesting advantage. That so like it would be weird for me to be like. Hey, friend in Sam. Hey, John Negroni. I live in San Francisco now. What's up, my dude? You're my only friend here. Let's be And best we're not friends. that close. We're not that not close. Not that not close, but we've never met. <laughs> but you, you're from Lynchburg, so you're from, what do you, you think knew, of You did the thing Southwest that I just Virginia. did. Yeah. But at the same time, like I, I feel like if I got up and moved to New York, if I got up and moved to Los Angeles, people would be like, yes. That's where dreams are made of. Do you think... See, I think I would end up doing something stupid, and I would weigh all the options, and then I would end up... You'd land on Cedar Rapids. Exactly what would happen is I would end up... There's definitely part of me that is like... So I wouldn't want to live in probably like Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, South Dakota. I would end up in Wichita. Guaranteed. I would not want to live in that part, but I would pick up tomorrow and move to Missoula, Montana. I, I would pick up, up tomorrow yeah. and move to freaking Colorado Aspen. Springs. I would pick up tomorrow and move to Oakland, west of Texas. All hail west of Texas. I would hear. I would pick up and move to 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 Austin, Texas, uh, on a dare. Austin, Texas is awesome, but I have friends there. So and those fr- those are the kind of friends. Those are those are music industry friends. Those are people where I can be like, hey, I'm moving to Austin. They're like, yes, more people in Austin. Keep Austin weird. That would be my problem. I would be like, you know what? I'm really excited about Wichita, Kansas. And I would get there and the people from there would be like, the city sucks. Yeah. That would be my freaking problem. Like I could I couldn't drop in on people I went to high school with. I could drop in on people I met three times at Drop the Girl shows. You could drop in on people that listen to this show. I could. I could. Be like, a lot could, of them you, live in like Kansas and Iowa and stuff. It would be like, hey, don't move here. <laughs> Do you like corn? No? All right, don't come. I will tell you, I read uh, Universal Harvester by John Darnielle, The Mountain Goats, and he makes the idea of living in the middle of nowhere in Iowa in 1999 sound awesome. Uh, I think realistically, I would end up in St. Paul is where you would find me. And I would complain about the weather. I feel like the Twin Cities would be a great place to move to because it's the Twin Cities, right? Like you don't have to. Friends make you. Right? Like, you just, you walk into a bar and be like, how about them Vikings? Yeah, the Vike City, yeah. Oh, that Joe Maurer. I really wish he was still in the Twins. Joe Maurer! He was such a big deal when I was there. He's not like, like here. I could, I could he, pick up tomorrow and move to Green Bay, Wisconsin, and be like, go pack. Go pack, go. You don't want to move to Green Bay. No, I don't, but, like, I, I feel like I could find a home. I would, that would be my whole identity, would be, like, a guy who came here because he's a Packers fan. Yeah, and they would be like, oh, yeah, there's plenty of you around here. Got some cheese. There's plenty of you around here, yeah. Move you to like f- sports? You really identify with sports, huh? 
And you'd be like, well, actually, I'm a, I'm a pretty No, honestly, person, just, right? you made it look like a cool place, so I just came up here. I do like the Packers, though. Go Pack. And then they would cheer, go Pack, go! And then it would, the conversation would be over, and they'd be out of something else. Oh, can I get you a walleye and a pint of I do Milwaukee's like the idea best? of a city that only has football. I think that's really attractive. Dude, I saw me. a great TikTok earlier that was like, um, it was like listing cities in America by total number of titles that they've won, like across sports. Oh, oh okay, yeah. And it took, it was a top 10 list, and it took a Green Bay that's only ever had football until like 2014 to fall off the list. <laughs> it was like greater New York area, greater Boston area were the number two. And then like everything else was just fighting back and forth. And literally the TikTok was like, yo, props to Green Bay who's only ever had football for just sticking it out. Can you imagine if there was like the, the Green Bay cheese hats in the MLB? They, you couldn't allow that. You couldn't have two teams from Wisconsin and the MLB. I think they might. Milwaukee has a team. Milwaukee doesn't have a football team, though. They're the Brewers. They have, the, then, Brewer, they have the Brewers. Yeah, they have the Brewers and the Bucks. Bucks. Bucks are basketball. Basketball. Giannis Antetokounmpo another... is a Milwaukee Buck, and he's like one of the best players in basketball. But they are like North Carolina, where they have more than one city where the teams are. Yes. Raleigh. I can do Raleigh. Raleigh's not the place I'd move to, North Carolina. Which one has the Panthers? That's Charlotte. 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 I can do Charlotte. I'd rather move to Charlotte than, than Raleigh, for sure. Uh, but Charlotte calls it Uptown. Is that right? True. Although yeah, I would I move to it. I would move to Charlotte or I would move to Raleigh Durham for sure. Like either of those places. I have to consider that in any of these places I go, I'm gonna end up in suburbs. So I may as well just Yeah, move North to Carolina's Fairfax. got some great suburbs. Yeah. Atlanta's got good suburbs. Too hot. I love Too snow. Hot. I don't want to move south. I love snow. You, you love the Twin Cities, baby. I don't want to move somewhere where I'm going to be absolutely cluster effed with snow to the Boston. point where I hate it. Like, I, I have two Boston. friends that I am in a group chat with that are in, like, upstate New York, like, Oop State. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, oh, you got snow this weekend? That's cute. I hate snow. I want snow to go away forever. And I'm like, yeah, I live in Virginia. We used to get a bunch of snow, and now we really don't need more. Thanks, global warming. You should move to Oswego. Oswego, New York? <laughs> yeah. Bro, uh, my dad gave me several pieces of advice when I was young, and one of those was never go to Oswego. <laughs> He applied to go to three colleges in the, in the State Schenectady. University of New York. He applied to New Paltz, Oneonta, and Oswego. And he was like, I went and visited Oswego. It was the worst place I've ever been. And I grew should, up in Queens. She moved to Schenectady. Schenectady? Yeah, Little Falls. She went to Little Falls, I just Falls, sold the land I owned in uh, New York. Why? Because it was in the middle of nowhere. Well, I mean, was it like a lot or was it like a square foot it was a it was like a like a like a parcel that there used to be a house on nice in a town called copenhagen about uh 80 miles outside syracuse in literally the middle of goddamn nowhere did you ever go there yeah. You were like, oh, look at my land. Well, it was, it was where my uh, granddad was from. Ah. It was like his childhood home was built there. And it passed from him to my dad to mom. And she sold it. She moved to Burlington. You would love Burlington. Burlington, Vermont? Yeah. Go ice fishing. There is part I'll of me that would you. love to, like, again, to move just, like, not somewhere off the grid, but somewhere, like, urbanly off the grid. Like Missoula, West Montana, Ads. or Burlington, Vermont, or Pierre, yeah. or Fargo, North Dakota. Yeah. Somewhere that like is in the north and nobody will bother me and it's beautiful and and, and when you Duluth. tell people you live there they're like, "Oh, that's that's nice. I like that." Duluth, Minnesota. When you tell people you live in Missoula or anywhere in Montana, they're like, "Oh man, that's cool. That's the best." What's the one out there? That I always forget about Wyoming. Oh, cuz there's nothing in Wyoming. Exactly. More people live in Richmond than Wyoming. <laughs> 
You would love Not the it. county, like the city of Richmond. Like the <laughs> small border. Not like, not, not, uh. Wyoming is twice the size of the whole population of Roanoke City and Roanoke County put together. The whole state is. And it's, it's bigger than Virginia. It's like two Virginias stacked on top of each other. You would love Wyoming. You would love it. I'd rather go to Wait, Montana. Is that the one north of Wyoming? It is. Hmm, I couldn't have done this on a map. I'm thinking about going to Montana or to Wyoming soon to go to Yellowstone. You'd love it, Ethan. I mean, think about this. Average minimum temperature. Like I said, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy a 19... 77 Volkswagen microbus and drive it to Montana. Why? Because I want one. Van life, man. You, you would hate van life. No, I wouldn't. Really? Yeah. I like road trips. I'm a photographer. So? So I want to be able to traverse this great nation without having to pay for a hotel every night. Sell your pictures for more. Camping is a pain in the butt, but van camping, I could get behind. Yes. Wake up in the morning and make some AeroPress coffee. Ugh. Sounds awesome, man. Make some, yeah, wake up in the morning, Glacier National Park. I mean, that sounds awesome. I could do that for like a week. Yeah, I'm not talking about van lifing. I'm talking about like taking a couple road trips in my $1,500 van. I just feel like you'd be constantly fixing a van. But don't it's let me- It's a Volkswagen. A it's got eight parts. I'm a dad. It's my job to be like, no, Timmy, you don't yeah, want to, 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 to do that. To, to put the doubt into my dreams. <laughs> Right. God, that was something somebody said to me recently that was like, because I did that, to, I did that to somebody and they got mad at me for it, where somebody was like, yo, this is the thing I'm going to do. And I was like, oh, but you can't do that for the X, Y, Z reason. And they were like, hey, man, shut up. Yes, yes I can. Yeah, I can actually. They're like, do you get, they're like, do you get any pleasure from like, from like stomping on my ideas like that? And I was like, no, it actually made me feel bad. <laughs> and they were like, people I mean, do this wanna... all the time. And this is like a thing that Amer that, that, that human beings do. And I was like, we should stop doing that. Not that I if think that you you're wanna... wrong in telling me that that sounds awful, but it's just like, I don't know, it's something I kind of want to do. I'm not probably not going to do if it. You, if you want to van life it, then van life it. I would love to tell you, come to my house to park your van, but my driveway is not big enough. So don't do I that. probably park it in my grandma's empty garage. You can do that, but you can't. I don't, it's a tight front yard here the Carlin. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. At, hey, bud, I'm not asking you for for for, for car storage <laughs> space. I'm not asking you for anything. I only have two cars now. I'm very I'm excited so proud about of you. This. Ah, it's great. I used to have three cars. It's way too many. I'm starting to come stay at your house. I know you're gonna stay here for like five days. Uh, yeah. Four nights. Four days. Yeah. Four nights. Four nights. I'm gonna record a podcast from there. This desk. Yeah. This picture. From Gamer of Fridge. Gamer Fridge. You're gonna be like gonna be eight in the morning. You're gonna be like, oh my god. The eight in the morning, cracking one of your high lives, recording late <laughs> to the party, give myself epilepsy. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my gamer fridge is full of high life and slim fast, so you'll be set. That's all you need. That's perfect. Breakfast and then beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same exact calorie count between the two. <laughs> I didn't want to know that. It's not. The Slim Fast is way more calories. I was going to say, I don't know if that makes you feel good about Slim Fast or bad about beer. The Slim Fast, I'll tell you. The beer might say it on it because cheap beers usually do. Right. Uh, Slim Fast has a bunch of calories, but less calories than lunch. This actually has nutrition facts on it. The beer? Uh, yeah. 141 in a Miller High Life and uh, at 180 in the Slim Fast. So that's less than I thought. Right, but that's a meal. Your your yeah. Your Miller High Life isn't going to fill you, you the way Slim Fast is. Miller Miller High Life is supposed to slim you for or to to fill you for like five minutes until you drink another one, and uh, Slim Fast is supposed to fill you for four hours. If I drank four Miller High Lifes every morning, um, I'd probably lose weight. That's a lot of calories. That's six hundred calories for breakfast. Well, if that was my like breakfast and lunch, yeah. Like if I started my my uh, intermittent fasting by drinking a couple Miller High Lifes and then eating dinner, I think you'd store it very weird. You'd have a belly. Probably. Yeah, it is carbs. Not too bad. Light beer. 12.2 grams of carbs in a can. Yeah, but that's what, you know, it's bread, right? Bread makes you fat. Bread makes you fat? It makes you fat? <laughs> All right, now it's past wrap time. Whoops. Okay. Uh, Ethan, I need a listener score. Okay, well, stall for me because I got to add this up real quick. So mine was 85. Is that right? 
And yeah, I said 94. 94. All I'm missing is a listener score here to recap on previous weeks. Last week, we covered um, War Games. Man, somebody the other day was asking me what we've been doing on Bacon and Eggs, and I was like, oh, we took a few weeks off, and then we did something. I couldn't for the oh, life no, of me. no, it happened to somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I said that we talked about it a bunch, and then uh, when when I'm, I was editing it, I was like, I lied. <laughs> we Oh, what was that movie we did? <laughs> Last week we did War Games, which came in at number six, just edged out by Hercules, just beating Ratatouille, um, but all up there in that sort of top 10 range. I do think it's going to lose this week. Uh, I don't think we're going to quite get into Fellowship of the Ring territory, which is an 88. Uh, I think the Metacritic is going to pull us down, but Metacritic doesn't get that much weight. The, li- the real Lister score is low on this one. I can tell you that just by looking at it. Really? You don't have to count every one of Mary Clay's 75s. It was felt more honest. Sometimes you do the listener score and people will really overscore or really underscore something this to me felt a little low but honest also felt like groundhog day isn't interstellar so people are afraid okay. to like give it 85 plus which like yeah it, i, I agree with that i think that, like this one suffered from like the way you score figure skating this one suffered from lack of degree of difficulty right uh the listener score is a 76 that brings the bacon and egg score to 86.15 man my now 94 are, is doing a lot there yeah absolutely no, we are offsetting the listener score <laughs> We are hanging out still below Fellowship of the Ring, but j- only just, and we've had a lot in the 85 to 90 range. This beats out Hercules and comes in at number five overall. After It's a Wonderful Life and the Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. Wild. I will say, um, Mary Clay was the one in Discord that did the bit, the like, oh, it's a classic Bill Murray movie which i did try to make a joke out of that in the listener review section that tyler just skipped apparently we're not doing listener reviews anymore no we are i told you i want to come back to it do you have any listener reviews it's too late to come back to it now bud (laughs) there's a way to do it that wasn't it well, I wanted to come back to it. We have if to drive listener reviews to, next week because we haven't had a lot the past two weeks. And I need, I know. I need if them you, to do that. We got to make sure people watch. That's why I'm telling you now. Next week's movie, I've already forgotten what it's called. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Ma Rainey's ba- anyway, Black Bottom. So Mary Clay was the you one that did the, watch the meme in Discord and was just like, 75 out of 100. It's a classic Bill Murray movie. And then said that like 25 times. Yeah. Um, I counted more than one of those, but I don't know how many. <laughs> <laughs> so it could have beat Fellowship of the Ring is what you're telling me. Um, no, because, because that's not how, how averages work. And every time I added Mary Clay's, it brought it down. Yeah. So if you took it out. No, it I don't think it was going to. I don't think it was going to anyway. But I, I think I only counted like once or twice, two or three times. So overall, in the end, it was uh, 1.6 or 1.6 below Fellowship. So we're very close to finding something that will beat it. I will not be surprised if we do next week. Well, we already found something that beat all three of them. Right. I know. But <laughs> are we going to find something one day that separates them is the question. There's a pretty sizable difference between Fellowship and Two Towers. I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, I then, think we'll end up slotting several movies in those those gaps. If that's if we've proved anything over the past three years of this podcast, we will find ways to slot things into those gaps. Yeah. Although it is less subjective like than this year, this year than it has in the past where I was like, I feel like this one was better than ant Man, but right. not better than Ant-Man and the Wasp. It does take a lot of pressure off of me to Same. have this. To be like, hey, I really liked this movie more than <laughs> Don't Kill Me Toy Story. <laughs> uh, Toy Story or Groundhog Day? Toy Story. Although Groundhog Day with Tom Hanks above Toy Story. <laughs> okay, I, I, I just want to come back to this real quick. There's a point I forgot to make earlier. I think the rom-com element of this thrives under a Tom Hanks Groundhog Day. I also think more in this, more in the Tom Hanks version, you feel for 
Phil. You yeah, really I also think if Tom Hanks is Phil Connors, you really connect with Phil. You Bill feel looks, every day of his imprisonment. Bill Murray looks too much older than Rita. Like I don't know. I don't know that if he is or is not. Uh, but like I don't. In, in 2021, I don't see relationships between people of this age gap occurring in this way. I don't see any relationship occurring in this way because nobody lives in a time loop that I know of, uh, that I can observe. No, it seems like a lot of people in our generation date people mostly their age, more so than previous generations. And part of that is more of us went to college. Well, and I also think that, like, it could be an our circle thing, you know, could be. This I mean, it I definitely observe. there definitely exists outside of, of our circle more than it does in our circle. But, like, we went to college and we know a bunch of people went to college and we know a bunch of people and married people they went to college with. Right. And, like, a lot of our parents, the people our parents' generation, I know your parents met in college. Mine did not. Um, A lot of people our parents' generation didn't. didn't didn't meet in college and therefore have different age gaps because they just met like out in the real world where not everybody's forced to be the same age. Right. Anyway. Also, uh, I learned that, that through the watching this and talking about Tom Hanks being in this movie that my girlfriend thinks that young Tom Hanks was hot. I thought everybody thought that. I didn't know that. I was not aware that Tom Hanks was hot. I need to confront her about that later because I forgot to do that earlier. I need to learn how she feels about young Tom Hanks because this is disturbing to me for some reason. Do you trying to look like young Tom Hanks? No, I just would never have thought of Tom Hanks as being hot. Oh, even Sully could get it. No, no. Tom Hanks is strictly in his old age, not hot. Do you see him with a mustache and Sully? I have. Yes, I have. <laughs> but it doesn't. It's He's not hot. He looks like. like he looks like Sully Sullenberger. Yeah, he looks like Sully Sullenberger. He's a character actor. right? He's not supposed to be hot. He's like Steve Buscemi. No, not like Steve Buscemi. No, no, he's not. Watch Castaway. He's not like Steve Buscemi, but like if you if you told me like, hey, I think Paul Giamatti is hot. I think Edward Norton is hot. I'd be like, really? I would believe the latter. I wouldn't. I'd be, if somebody was like, I think Paul Giamatti's hot, I'd be like, oh my god, did you watch Adams? Can we talk about it? <laughs> you like Paul Giamatti? I like Paul Giamatti. <laughs> now I have to watch Adams because somebody's gonna DM me on Instagram and be like, Adams fires Adams? Hamilton. Privately calls him Creole bastard in his taunts. Say what? Hamilton publishes his response. Sit down, John. You fat uh, Thank you for listening to Bacon and Eggs. This week's episode is brought to you by Tom Ernest Hanks. Sober. Is only seven years older than Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is way hotter than Tom Hanks. <laughs> you, you're in a fit, guys. Matt Damon's hotter than Tom Hanks, <laughs> for sure. Have they ever worked together? Am That's I what I want to Sexual, know. just for Matt Damon. Does I, that you count? Might be. I honestly, when we were having this episode, I saw that you were wearing that rainbow T-shirt, and I was like. Good allyship, Ethan. But then the more we talked, I was like, did Ethan learn something about himself these past few weeks? And that was that was my my uh, journey through this. Oh, a, this is the Adventure Zone t-shirt, by the way. Oh, this is a Tacos like, Good Out Here t-shirt. Oh, Good Out Here. Yeah. Well, it does, that's from, a, from the character, from the angle that I'm presenting it on the screen, it looks like a rainbow that just says good out. I think it is a pride thing, right? Oh, it definitely is. Yeah. Like good out here. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Out yeah, of the yeah, closet. Out of yeah, the closet. yeah, that was the yeah, whole yeah. thing. And it like benefited the Trevor Foundation, Trevor Project, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, but it's also taco and the elevator thing. Yeah, I have no desire to quantify that about myself, honestly. You don't have to. Nobody's pressuring Yeah, me. no, I, I'm not saying they're pressuring me. It's just like, I know that is important for some people that are in heteronormative relationships. It is not important for me to think about. You don't have to. I know. I just didn't want people to think that I was like coming out on this. This is not how I would choose to do that if I was. Well. I would mention it much less casually. Are you going to turn on pride lights on the gamer fridge? Like, what is happening? It's not the color I thought it was. Anyway, uh, this has been Bacon and Eggs. I've been Ethan Hitchell. Our graphics are by Vaishan Brandon, graphite.vmb. Cool stuff on the way from graphite.vmb. Look for that. Uh, our music's by Andrew Scott Bell. Shout out to Julia Kendall for joining us on the Bacon and Eggs Network with, or the, sorry, the WB&E Podcast Network with her 
show Unsober. Uh, it's it's a good time. I'm really stoked to have that. She talks about badass women in history, and I love we that. We can say badass on the podcast now. I, hey, T, we've been saying ass on the podcast for a long time, my dude. I believe it. I know that you don't listen to this show, but I've left the word. Um, I've, I've been going by by like TV rules for a long time now where I'll leave in ass, damn, and hell. That's fine. But yeah, not like cool. fuck or shit or motherfucker. So like we could always say, hey, if Borderlands says badass, I'll say badass. Borderlands says everything. Yeah, but they like print the word ass a lot. I don't like things that print the word ass on them a lot. Like the, the hot sauce you bought said the word ass a lot on it. Did it? Yeah, it's like uh, if you look at the inside of it, it's... It's like wimpy ass or hot ass. And I'm like, this is not funny anymore. It's not like 2009. So you have a hot ass? What? I have Matt a great Damon ass. ass. FYI. <laughs> For ye. Anyway, I've been Ethan Edgel. He's been Ty Carl. Until next week. Arrivederci. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. What a hype. Groundhog Day used to mean something in this town. They used to pull the hog out. They used to eat it. You're hypocrites, all of you. This has been a WBNE production. For more great shows, visit WBNE.org.